Welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host, Paige Geidel, and I am so stoked that you found us. We are a community of creative Christian women in their 20s, and you are invited to be a part of it. Each week, I invite a guest on the show to chat about all things marriage, motherhood, homemaking, small business, and following Jesus. My friend, there is a seat here for you at the table, and I so hope that you choose to be a part of this community. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Hey friends, welcome back to the Love and Cottage podcast. You are listening to episode 41, and this is also the first episode after a five-week summer break. So I am so excited to be back sharing more content with y'all. I missed you. And also, we've just really enjoyed the month of June as a family. We got to take a trip to Michigan to visit my mentor and dear friend Michelle Garrels, who I actually met through this podcast. She was on episodes 32 and 33. And that was just such a sweet, special week that I am beyond grateful for. We got to take our girls and Michelle's youngest two daughters were running around with Flora and it was just so incredible. So that was definitely like a highlight I feel like for the month of June and then we also had like a family wedding and got to see some of John's family and honestly just have spent a ton of time in prayer discerning what's next for our family. So honestly as things unfold I'm excited to share with you but God is just doing so much and I am so expectant at what is going to be next for our family and for the podcast too. So speaking of which, um, a few exciting announcements. One of them is that today we are launching the Cottage Club, which is our Patreon. So basically, if you're unfamiliar with Patreon, it's a platform that a lot of podcasters use. I think like musicians use it too and just anyone who is creative and wanting to find like creative ways to raise support and so I wanted to create something that would be like mutually beneficial and an easy and affordable way for you guys to support the podcast because it does take time and energy and resources for me to be creating this show as I am a stay-at-home mom and homemaker and wife first and foremost and I absolutely love my role that is my priority but I love obviously this project and this podcast and this community and so basically over the last couple months I think John and I have been praying and talking about like how can I make producing this podcast sustainable for our family and a time investment that makes sense and we just kind of felt like monetizing it in some way, um, in a way that made sense for y'all, in a way that made sense for us would be the best route. And so I like tried ads for a while, but it just felt kind of weird. Like if we were in the midst of a vulnerable conversation for me to be like, let me tell you about Osea Malibu, which I love genuinely the brands that I've shared about in the past and the brands that I share about on Instagram, but I just really wanted to provide like the highest quality content that didn't include those interruptions and so yes patreon is just 
amazing. It's a way that you guys can give in tiers of $5, $10, or $20 a month. And I just want to break those down for you guys really fast. So it's like a membership type of thing. And they each have different benefits. So at $5 a month, you guys can get access to a monthly Ask Me Anything. So basically, I'll do like a video where I answer your questions and that will be posted to a website that if you're a part of the Patreon, the Cottage Club, you will get to ask those questions and then watch those back. If you are a part of the second tier at $10 a month, then you get access to that same Ask Me Anything along with early access to retreat signups. And also I will sew you a little like gingham zipper pouch and send that to you in the mail. And then the third tier is $20 a month. And with that tier, you get access to the Ask Me Anything the same early access to retreat signups and then you also get the same pouch that I will sew for you and a phone call. So I'll call you probably when my girls are napping or asleep and we'll just get to say hi and I'll get to hear a little bit of your story, say hello, and that will be a really fun way to like personally one-on-one connect with you guys. So I am going to be linking this on Instagram. I'll be linking this on each episode's show notes. And then also the other fun little announcement is that we are launching a website um, in the next like week or so. So all that information will be there too, along with like show notes and blog posts. And then lastly, so many announcements, we have a really fun pre-order coming up in the next week for our first ever like official merch item. It's so cute. It's a ball cap that says Cottage Club. I am obsessed. I think it's going to be so darling. I think you guys are going to love it. Um, Even if you aren't like ball cap girls, I think this is going to change your mind about that. So if you want to pre-order that, I will be sharing about that on Instagram in the next like week or so. And then next week, I'll probably share the same little announcement with more specific details on how you can pre-order that before the episode. So I know that was a lot, but again, we are returning after a five-week break. So thank you guys for bearing with me through all of those fun announcements. This week's episode is with Hannah Way. Man, you guys, I am so excited. This has been in the works for like probably four or five months. I reached out to her earlier in this year because I have just loved truly following along with a lot of her content about staying at home as a mom and homeschooling and gardening and knitting and um, anger and like phone boundaries. Just we're going to cover all of that today. It's so good. I know you guys are going to want to follow her on Instagram and just really resonate with her story. Um, She is in her early 30s and has four kids and I feel like is so relatable but also just like a step ahead of where I'm at so I was able to learn so much from her and I am so excited for you guys to listen. Let's go ahead and dive on in. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to be talking with you tonight. Hello, thank you for having me. Your audio sounds so crispy. It was so fun. (laughs) So fun to see you guys getting the whole set up. Um, so how far, I'm just like jumping right in. I should, okay, have you introduce yourself here in a second. 
I can't remember how I found your page. Ironically, I don't think it was through Young Living stuff, which is funny because that's kind of a world I'm a part of too. But I'm assuming it was through like one of your – no, I think I have this photo saved of yours from like a couple years ago. It was like your knitting setup. And I think I saved that and then went back to reference it and then like really got hooked on a lot of the things that you share um, oh, which is nice. just fun because yeah. I love all that content, but that's not like as much, I guess, of what you share. Yeah. Kind of like it used to be. So, but yeah, I think it's been a couple of years that I've been getting to follow along with you and I've just loved watching like your family grow and the content that you share evolve because it's still felt so relevant and encouraging to me. Oh, so I can't you. wait to talk about that more, but could you introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, and where you live before we dive in today? Yes. Okay. So I'm Hannah. I am 31 years old. I'm almost 32. My birthday is next month, but I'm not thinking about it because 32 feels a little, it feels like solid 30s. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I live on the central coast of California with my family. It's like in between Santa Barbara and um, San Luis Obispo, which is smack dab in the middle of LA and San Francisco. So that's why I always tell people because I know that there's probably listeners from all over. Um, And it's the best place in California, in my opinion, because we have the good beaches with none of the crowds, which is hard to find in California. And there's also really good hiking and it's just overall less busy, which we love. But um, I am married to Zach. We've been married for eight and a half years. It'll be nine years in December. Wow. Um, and we have four kids. Our oldest is seven and a half. His name is Forrest. And then Fern is four. Finley is two and a half. And Frankie will be one next month, which is wild. Um, we have a dog and a cat. And yeah, just living on the Central Coast, you know. It's um, it's wild. It's a wild time, but it is very sweet. Yeah. So fun. Thank you for that little intro. I have so many questions. I just can't wait to ask you. But my initial thoughts, I guess, is like, I thought you guys were actually in slow, which was fun. I didn't realize you were kind of like between Santa Barbara and slow because we were in Southern California for a couple years. Yeah. And then actually my husband's siblings lived in slow for a while. And so we okay. like would visit them and do that trip. Like uh, we did it a few times. They weren't there mm-hmm. quite as long, um, but it's beautiful. It's so pretty. We always kind of like dreamed about moving to that area, but then we were like, oh my gosh, having a family (laughs) and like just doing that, um, like paying for it is Mm -hmm. challenging. And I applaud because I know people do it all the time, but we're like not up for that challenge. (laughs) So (laughs) I think that's incredible that you guys are able to live there. Are you guys originally from there? Um, no, my husband is, he grew up here in this area and I grew up in Minnesota actually and moved to like the Bay area when I was in high school for my dad's job. So, um, I'm not necessarily a a California native, but I feel like it because all my adult life has been spent here. So yeah, yeah, Yeah. totally. So you don't feel like a Midwesterner necessarily. Yeah. I I miss the Midwest a lot. I will say that, but no, I don't feel like a Midwesterner anymore. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a completely different culture. And I think what you said, like, you feel like you're a native because you've spent your whole adult life there. I think Mm -hmm. it's really interesting, like, when you move somewhere, like, whether that's in high school or college or whatever, like, 
I don't know. It's interesting how much that like shapes you because that's such a critical yeah. time. Yeah. And I definitely reference California as home, which I think a lot of people from Kansas where both John and I grew up, that feels weird. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not mm-hmm. where you're from. But it was the same thing. It was like my whole adult life was spent mm-hmm. there. So, yeah. so different. Yeah. Okay. So kind of starting off with like a fun, lighthearted topic. You're okay. knitting. I think okay. you're so talented. I love your like knitting reels. I uh, have like screen recorded some of them because I just want to like watch them over and over without the algorithm trying to like feed me more. But I want to hear kind of your like knitting origin story. Like how did you learn? Okay. Um, I think you had a business too for a while, right? Yeah, like a knitting I did. business. Okay. Yeah. Give us, give us the. Okay. Knitting tea. <laughs> okay. The knitting tea. So I actually started with crocheting way back. I was like 20 years old. And Zach, who is my boyfriend at the time, got me like a whole bunch of yarn and like some crochet hooks for Christmas. And I was stoked because I'd always wanted to learn. So my family was taking a road trip to Minnesota to go back to visit family for Christmas. And that was when I decided I had to learn. Um, so I literally like printed off like internet pages like printed them off so I could have like all the details of like how to crochet a hat because that's all I wanted I wanted to make him a beanie and give it to him when I got back and I figured it out but like my parents would tell you if you ask them like there are a lot of tears (laughs) on that road trip and um the beanie was very odd shaped my very first one so that uh naturally led into knitting because I was like well I know how to do this so I might as well just try knitting and I ended up liking knitting a lot more um I feel like I mean I know both of them are very valuable and are good for different things but like for what I wanted to make and for the look I was going for I really just love knitting so much um it's just so like peaceful I feel like there's less like counting and less like less that can go wrong at least for me Mm -hmm. um but I learned via YouTube for knitting and that's like that's what I recommend to people people are like do a tutorial but I'm like you know it's already been done so many times and people have put so much care into like teaching this yeah and like we should give them like the attention that they deserve for all the work they put into it um so I always just refer people to YouTube I have like a ton of links in my, my stories and stuff. Cause I do get asked that a lot and people have found it very helpful. So yeah, it's, it can feel daunting to start a new, like, t- like not task, I guess, like art, like knitting, like if you've never done it. Um, and it for sure takes time to get the hang of, but it's so worth it. And soon you'll be knitting like beanies and like sweaters, like you've been knitting sweaters and stuff, which is so cool. Um, it's just like one stitch after, after the other, like it's nothing fancy. It's just like, you just got to keep going and then you'll finish. So (laughs) yeah. Oh, and I did, yes, I did have a business for a little bit. It it was called handmade. It was like, you know, kind of clever there, but, um, I, I made like, it was made to order stuff, which was great for a little bit. And then it just got too much. It was just too much to take on with my kids and stuff. So yeah. I haven't done that for a while and I've I've enjoyed knitting a lot more since like shutting that door. So Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so complex, I feel like, especially when you are a stay-at-home mom, like, I don't know, having hobbies and then my personality or maybe other people will relate to this. I like feel obligated and even excited to like monetize them. 
Mm-hmm. But you can like monetize anything. And so before yeah. you know it, it's like, I don't know. You're not doing the things that you enjoyed like yeah. because you want to. You're doing them because you have to. So especially mm-hmm. with made to order, I imagine that kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Put some pressure on it. Like, yeah. I have and to it, get this done. Uh-huh. And it took some joy out of it too because it was like, I don't have any creative freedom right now. Like I have to do exactly what they wanted, exactly what they ordered. You know, the color, the the pom-pom right. color or whatever, which it was like, fine. That's what people wanted. But it's like, I like the creative freedom a little bit totally. more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always tempting. I think whenever people, and I don't know if you've experienced this because I know you've been sharing about like your sewing too, which I want to hear about, mm-hmm. but like I'll have people who are like, I would totally buy XYZ if you sold mm-hmm. it. Like, are you ever going to sell this? And sometimes usually for like, you know, an hour I'm like I really should like yeah there's a demand and then I'm yeah. like, what I just spent like 20 hours on this project like I'm yeah. not gonna do that yeah um how long have you been sewing then is that like a recent thing or yeah. is it kind of okay I started at the beginning of this year actually that was my um I bought a sewing machine with some of my Christmas money and then for my grandparents, which would make my grandma so happy because she's like the queen of like sewing and knitting and oh, all those things. I love that. So I, I started learning in like February, I think. Um, okay. And I'm still very much a beginner, but I'm like not afraid to mess up. So I just keep trying stuff. I keep buying thrift store sheets and then practicing and trying and messing up and having it not good enough to wear, but like at least I have the experience. Yeah. Um, which I think you need to do if you're learning anything new like that. Like you have to be okay with messing up. Totally. For some people, I feel like it's a lot more difficult than for other people, but mm-hmm. definitely necessary. So, yeah. yeah, I love that. And I love that you've been like starting with projects that I feel like are genuinely exciting. Like mm-hmm. I always hated the advice, like just knit a pot holder or yeah. like just sew something simple like yeah. I don't know it's maybe again a total like personality thing but I'm like yeah. where's the joy in that like I am not going to use that mm-hmm. I don't like it but if you go for like a hat or go for like a dress or something yeah. then I don't know even if it's a bit wonky I feel like I always like celebrated that way more yeah yeah you gotta have a little bit to lose if for it to be fun <laughs> yes yeah. yeah and I'll plug my friend Courtney um, who has Rooney clothing. I don't oh, know if you I love her them. stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So she was on episode number seven, I think. And okay. she has an amazing sewing pattern company um, and kind of shares a bit more about that there. So I know she has a ton of like tutorials and it's very like beginner friendly. Her YouTube mm-hmm. channel is like amazing for people. I've watched a lot of her videos actually. Yes. They've been very helpful. Yeah. They're like beautifully done and just uh-huh. very therapeutic and like informational. Yeah. Courtney, you're awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Way to go, Courtney. (laughs) Yeah. So what's like your favorite thing that you've ever knit? Um, probably my like all of the like tan mustard beanie that I wear like all the time. Oh yeah. It's like the perfect beanie. And I've I actually haven't been able to recreate it like exactly how I want. So I'm like, I just gotta Mm. hold on to this one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I am so amazed by people who can like take a finished item and recreate a pattern, whether that's like in knitting or in sewing, Uh I would feel like it would be easier in sewing because you could just like cut it apart and then, you know, rip the seams and kind of recreate it. Um, With knitting, oof, the stitches all like blend together. I'm still working on getting this like knitting brain where I Mm -hmm. can like count stuff better, you know. I think you actually were the one who um, through like your knitting highlight 
how I found Quince and Co. And I really oh, yeah. love their yarn. Oh, it's been it's so, so nice to work with. The best it's colors. So yeah. I know. I love it. I love it so much. Um, okay, that is so fun. Thank you for sharing that fun bit of like crafting stuff. And I'm sure you get asked this all the time. Yeah. Kind of leads into my next question. How do you create margin in your life as a mom of four, right? Like you obviously yeah. have four kids. You guys homeschool, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so you have like so much going on mm-hmm. and yet you're like learning to sew. And I feel like mm-hmm. just practically, how does that work? Well, I was actually introduced to this idea by my husband. Like most good things, honestly, I I come around to them late, but he's almost always the one who's introduced them. And he's like, talked to me about this idea of like having white space or margin in your life. And I'm like, at that point, I only had three kids. I was like, I have three kids and one of them is a little baby and there's literally no way. Um, So it took me a while to come around to it. But I think the first and biggest way that like I actually very intentionally incorporated margin into my life was with mornings. And like, I was definitely the person who would stay up until midnight just to get some alone time, not even to really do anything. Like it was like, I was watching something that I didn't even care about or like eating snacks and scrolling, like not anything that was like actually life-giving, but it was like, I needed that time to myself. Um, so I would, I would stay up, Zach would go to bed and I would just like do nothing for an hour and then be super tired the next day after being up with a baby and whatever. So I, I kind of made the connection when I was pregnant with Frankie. So this is about a year ago and I accidentally woke up really early and I couldn't go back to sleep. Um, it was like six o'clock, which for me back then was very early. Now I'm like waking up at like five fifteen, So it's like, <laughs> I scoff at my old self, but, um, it was like how peaceful the house was and just like I had the windows open and I could smell like that summer air and my garden was right out there. I was like, this is nice. Like I see why people like this. So I kind of started like trying to wake up just a little bit before my kids, um, which can feel so daunting because sometimes kids wake up super early and like it just feels impossible. Um, So my kids have this clock. I don't know the name off the top of my head, but it's there's a lot of them out there now. It's like it has the green light, a red light and a yellow light. So like when it turns, like you set the times for when it turns the different colors. So when it turns yellow, we have ours set to 7 a.m. So when it turns yellow, they're allowed to get out of their beds and play in their room quietly. And then when it turns green at 7.15, they're allowed to come out of their room. Um, And we have them like they stick to that pretty well. We've been doing it for a couple of years. And so I knew that like their green light was going to go on at 7.15. So I just started like by trying to wake up at 7, which was setting alarm which sucks the first couple of times, honestly, like alarms are never really fun, but yeah. setting that alarm for 15 minutes early, like was doable. And, and I was able to like make a cup of coffee and just like sit for a little bit before I got to like greet my kids and be excited to see them. Um, which was just that, f- that fact of like being able to like be happy to see them instead of like them jumping on me and like begging for food and like fighting with each other. That was like the shift and that like really clicked it for me, clicked it, clicked for me. <laughs> um, so then I was like, okay, I can get behind this. And I just slowly started waking up a little bit earlier. And then I was like at 630 and then I was like, I want to see a sunrise. So then I was waking up at six and then the sunrise got earlier. So now it's like I have my alarm set for 515, but we usually roll out of bed around 530. Okay. Um, and, and Zach so- is on the same schedule too? Yes. 
Yeah, cool. he is. Okay. So we go to bed at the same time and we wake up at the same time. Um, and then I go on a walk. I walk our dog and then I listen to a podcast, make my coffee. We sit at the table for like an hour together, which that in itself is like just a game changer. Magical. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like a date every morning. <laughs> um, and we, we're not always talking, but like we're reading together and like reading next to each other. We pray for our kids and for our day and just talk about logistics of the day just to like be on the same page. Um, so that is probably the biggest and most like impactful way that I've incorporated margin into my life. Um, I'm, I'm usually not doing any sewing in the morning, but like being able to start the day on my own terms. Like I will shout this from the rooftops forever because I just feel so strongly about it that like if you can start your day on your own terms and do something to fill your cup a little bit, then like while you are emptying it throughout the day, which as a mom, you are, you are emptying your cup for your kids, then you are able to empty it with joy and not resentment. Mm. And that has changed so much for me in like my mothering journey. So. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is huge. And I really appreciate you like going into detail, kind of the like evolution story, because I think for someone to hear like that you wake up at 515. I mean, for years I've heard about people doing that and people that I deeply admire. Like I know, Hannah, that you are a fan of intentional parents. I love them. Yes. I love them so much. And actually, I think it was... um in John Mark's book, oh, what's the one about hurry? Uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I get that one and um, Jeff Bethke's book mixed up because they like the oh, yeah. podcast together. Yeah. I'm like, what is it? <laughs> um, but I think he like talked about Diane waking up, you know, early to like be in the word every day. And I remember that was even before I listened to Intentional when I read that. And that struck me like, oh, my gosh, I want to be this type of mom. Like, I want Mm -hmm. to be this type of person. Um, So that was really impactful for me. And I think, yeah, just like a lot of people, I've been paying attention to like people who I admire and who are walking with Jesus in a way that like I want to walk and like Mm -hmm. leading families in a way that I want to. A lot of them um, do two things. One, they like wake up early to be with the Lord, sometimes like crazy early. And two, they like read books, you know, Mm -hmm. so I'm working on both of those things. Mm -hmm. But for the longest time, I was like, well, that's just not me. Like, I can't do that, you know, because it just felt so like, I don't know so holy and so like supernatural and like just something I could not do so I think that's so um that feels doable to just like Mm -hmm. set an alarm a little bit earlier each day now I have a question because this is a question just for me does Frankie like sleep in your room because I think my biggest problem right now like I feel ready to be like waking up early again mm-hmm. but Juliet bed shares and so oh, yeah. I feel like whenever I get up she gets up so I've yeah. tried a couple early mornings and I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> I'm up at 5 30 now she's up at 5 30 yeah know? um yeah she is in she actually sleeps in this room in this closet a little walk-in closet uh-huh um with a little pack and play but I had to we decided to like give it a go putting her in her own little bed when she started crawling off the bed <laughs> like mm-hmm. she would nap on the bed and then like wouldn't make a noise and all of a sudden she'd be like on the floor because she like bypassed the pillows and stuff so I was like okay we need to do something else uh, yeah um so we just tried 
tried putting her in the bed and it ended up working really well. Like she ended up sleeping really well. Like it was like what she was waiting for, which I know is not the case for all kids. I know that every kid is so different. And even just in my four kids, like they've all been so different. Yeah. Um, but it was just like a very clear shift for like, she was like trying to let us know that like, I need something different. And, mm-hmm. and that's what it was. So when that happened, it was actually when I like started doing the really early mornings. Um, okay. Because then I was like, I'm getting sleep at night. I'm able to do this. I'm able to wake up. But I do like, I get a lot of people, because I talk about this all the time on my Instagram. So I get a lot of people that are like, do you have a baby that wakes up at night? Or like, do your kids wake up in the morning when you wake up? Because a lot of people do bed share too. Um, and I always just say like, okay, if you have little kids that wake up with you and like, you know, like a year old, they're not going to go entertain themselves. Maybe get like a, um, like a little activity box or something so they can sit right next to you at the table or like Mm. for your, for Juliet, since she's younger, um, maybe like put her in the high chair and give her like a snack or something, you know, like something just occupied so you can get like at least a little bit of that intentional time because yeah. Even when we don't wake up early and like we can't do our full routine, we try to do like an abbreviated version of it just so it like our minds are like still on that like that habit stacking. Um, so even if you just get like 15 minutes to like read your Bible and say like a quick prayer before your day, like I feel like that will give you such a better start than just like, you know, like sleeping in till the last minute, which is truly what I would love to do and what I used to always do. Yes. Um, but it just it just sets the tone for the day and yeah. even a little bit can help do that. So totally. I love that. Yeah. I remember with Flora, she was like nine months old. And I just kind of had this moment. I was like one or two months pregnant with Juliet at this point too, right? Oh. Where I had been like, Oh, when when I'm not waking up at night, yeah, or when she's a bit older, like then I'll like get into this routine or I'll start these habits. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I am pregnant again. <laughs> like <laughs> I am having another one and yeah. I want a big family. Like it's not like mm-hmm. Lord willing, Julia is my last pregnancy. Like this yeah. is my life now. And obviously there's grace, especially in like newborn season or just hard seasons. But also for mm-hmm. me, I was just like making so many excuses. And I was like, yeah, it's not like my life is ever going to go back to this like calm without children yeah. and I wouldn't want it to. And so I have to figure mm-hmm. something out. And so what yeah. do you feel like that moment was for you where you were like, I've got to like figure something out? Oh man. Well, I had like, this kind of goes with like the, the mom anger stuff that we were talking about for yeah. a little bit, but I had like this moment. So Frankie, when Frankie was born, like it was a beautiful, wonderful home birth. And it was like the birth that I always dreamed of. Um, there was like one traumatic aspect of it. And so I like after that, like processing through that with my midwife, she was like very intentional about like giving me space and also like being there for me to like process that trauma, which I don't know that I've really experienced any big T trauma in my life other than like I had a miscarriage that was really difficult and um, and then that moment with Frankie, which I don't even know if I'd call that big T trauma, but there was a moment when like they didn't know if she was going to make it. Um, and I mean, obviously she's fine now, but it was a big, a big deal. So yeah, after yeah. that, I kind of realized that like, okay, trauma, even if it's tiny, it does affect you. It affects the way your brain works and the way you interact with the world and your relationships and all that. And so I went on this big, like journey, I guess. Um, and I, I realized because I've struggled with 
that like mom anger and like yelling and being irritable and just like not being like a gentle mom, like not being like the gentle mom that like I want to be. So all of that kind of like came to this, like it brought me to like this realization that I don't, I'm not like doomed to be like an angry mom, you know, like it is affecting me and my kids right now. And this is where I am right now, but I'm not an angry person at my heart. I have like this stress that I need to work through and these little T traumas that I need to work through and all of that. But like, I'm not just like doomed to be this way forever. Yeah. Um, and so then from there, it was like, I, w- I recognized that like, I do struggle with like depression and stuff, which was, you know, that's hard to admit when you're like for the first time when you're like, okay, I think this is actually something. Um, so like admitting that and then just going down this path of like, like, I guess, healing for lack of a better term. Um, yeah, I would say just like healing. And I, I got to this point where I was so irritable. I would, I was yelling so much and it was like, I didn't have very many good interactions with my kids. Like it was all like barking orders at them and yelling at them. And just like, there was no good connection. And I went Mm. in the bathroom and I was just like weeping and I was like praying, like begging God to like, take this from me. Like, please Mm. take for me like you know like there's no like face that I'm putting on like you know my heart I am like begging you to take this from me and I think that I was expecting like a finger snap and then like it would just be gone which I know that he can do that and I know that he does yeah but I was just so confused was like I'm being like the most vulnerable and honest like why if I'm trying to be better if I'm trying to be a more loving parent and I want to and I desire that and I know that I need you for that like why are you not making it happen? Like, why is this my thing? Um, And then now looking back, there was, I see all these things that like he like very gently like opened my eyes to that were harming me, like phone use and like zoning out on my phone, my disconnection from any sort of community, my not eating enough calories, like just all these things that were contributing, not as like an excuse for my behavior, but just like, here are things that like, are not benefiting you in yeah. any way. You need wow. to like do something with this. And I truly believe that that was him that did that. Um that showed me those things because yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a finger snap and it's it's not always going to be a finger snap, but I do believe that he gives us tools and that he like opens our eyes to these things. So yeah. So that was one of the things that like was going along with that. Zach had been mm-hmm. like encouraging me to do the dumb phone thing. He'd been encouraging me to do mornings and for so long I was holding off. And then it was like, I had to come to that realization on my own, like in God's time, I had to, because <laughs> it wasn't yeah. like, he Zach was like, you should do this. It would help you. And I knew that it probably would, but I, I had to come to it on my own. And, and that, so that's like when, when morning started, um, when I started being really intentional about them, <laughs> probably yeah. a little more long-winded than you were <laughs> asking for. No, but- I wanted to hear, <laughs> I wanted to hear all about that. And um, it's so funny that you said that Zach was encouraging you in this because I feel like that's actually so much my story too of John being like, you should eat first thing when you wake up. And I was like, no. And then yeah. I found freely rooted like eight months later. And I'm like, I think I'm <laughs> yeah. going to try this. And I, God bless him. I felt so bad because I was actually yeah. like, he was really hurt. He's like, why are, do you have to hear this from like random internet girls and not me? And when I'm, when he says it bluntly like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst. Yeah. Like, Yes, I I want to like trust you more than I trust like random yeah. people on the internet, you know? Um so crazy kind of an aside, but yeah, I think 
I was especially struck by like a reel that you posted, I don't know, earlier this year sometime. Like I realized I'm not an angry mom. I just have like these needs that go unmet. And I think um, that resonated with me so much. I've like shared a little bit about anger and we kind of like move in this direction because I think it's something that, um, man, so many women so many women are dealing with. I think yeah. so many women had angry moms too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're just like replaying these patterns that we've seen that we swore we would never become. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then you feel like totally helpless because you're yeah. like, well, I never wanted to be this way. Like, like you were saying, like, I know this is not who I am. Like, mm-hmm but I can't help it. Um, And for me, I actually, this has played out a lot more with John. I don't know if it's because my kids are like younger, Mm -hmm. but like definitely postpartum. It's like I had postpartum rage with Flora that just like didn't go away or Mm -hmm. postpartum. It just like lasted a long time. And I think it's cool hearing how in your story, like, like you said, God totally can heal instantly. Um, and sometimes he chooses to do that. But yeah, it's frustrating when you're like, okay, I'm humbling myself. Like, I see my sin. Like, I want you to heal me. Yeah. And it sounds like his healing was more of like a revealing of yeah. – that's not to be like a megachurch pastor. <laughs> like his, his healing was <laughs> revealing. But it works. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, he's revealing all these factors. And yeah, it's confusing because – at a certain level, like anger is sinful, but also these things, like you said, can be like contributing uh-huh. to it. Um, and so, yeah, there's just so much there. I think we can trick ourselves into thinking like, okay, you know, the source of my like frustration is because I haven't like taken care of myself. And uh-huh. then we can be that mom who, like you said, I am still so guilty of this, like staying up late. Doing pointless things that are not actually feeding your soul Mm -hmm. and then wondering why, like, (laughs) you still feel trashy the next day. Um, And so I think nourishment is, like, another huge aspect of that. And I love that you've been sharing about that, too. Like, on your Instagram, I actually got to have Corey Malloy on, like, episode 27, I think, um, which was super cool. So she kind of shares a bit more about the whole, like pro-metabolic and just like eating enough you know Uh like I eat so much now it's awesome and I just don't even think about it and I am such a nicer mom it's amazing yeah um but yeah I also just want to like thank you for your honesty because I think it's interesting how like depression and anxiety praise the lord are being like talked about a lot more Mm -hmm. um and I think more like yeah, I don't know if normalized is the right word exactly, but anger is like different, you know, mm-hmm. to like yeah. admit that you're angry, to admit that you like yell yeah. or are like, I don't know, I, my friend calls it seeing red when you're like intentionally like hurting somebody because you're mm-hmm. like so upset. Yeah. Um, that feels scary to admit. And like, mm-hmm. I don't want people to know that part of me. But when I started talking about it and I'm curious, like what your response has been as you shared about anger, like countless people, like, oh my gosh, that's mm-hmm. me too. Yeah. Countless people. Yeah. It was the same for me too. And I, I remember that feeling, feeling like this, uh, I'm going out on a limb here to even admit this. And I truly thought that like, I was just a terrible mom and that it was only me. Like, I really honestly yeah. thought that. And like 
it is so much more common than anybody thinks. And the thing is, everyone thinks that they're alone in it and that it's like just a them issue, which like it is like your own sin issue for sure. But like it's not like you're not alone in it. Like it is a very common thing. And it's also something that's really not talked about a lot, like the postpartum rage. Like you hear the postpartum depression, the baby blues and like anxiety, which definitely had all that too. But like the rage was just it really hit me out of left field. And yeah, just to know that like, okay, I'm actually not as alone as I thought I was in this was such an encouragement, which I think there's always that risk when you're like, truly being vulnerable, especially in a public setting like social media, which I've actually learned a lot in that and what like how much to share and whatnot. But I am glad that I did share about that because it showed other people that they're not alone. And it showed me that I was not alone. Yeah. Which I we just need more of that, you know, like yeah. all around. Right. It's like both encouraging. I think it can be encouraging and convicting. Um, and just even good to be aware, like that this is a thing, you know, I had no idea that that was a thing. And I think, um, having the verbiage for it is good to be like, so you can examine yourself like, oh, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Is this something that I'm experiencing right now? I think, gosh, it's so tricky because, Um, This is like kind of a tangent that I won't fully dive into, but I think as women, we've been taught, whether it's through culture or like our mothers and grandmothers or whatever it may be, that like we can kind of just like pass things off to like hormones. But actually, I don't know. I'm like the Lord designed us as cyclical beings in like Mm -hmm. a beautiful, good way. Like it can totally be a strength. And I know so much is like out of our control, but also some things are in our control. And, um, I think all that to say for the longest time, I blamed so much of my behavior on hormones, especially Mm -hmm. postpartum. And while again, some of it was like out of my control, I also think taking responsibility for at least part of it is like the Mm -hmm. first step in like being able to heal and like, I don't know love your family well like I think Mm -hmm. so much damage happened in my marriage like through that postpartum rage you know Mm -hmm. and John was so kind and understanding but also like that doesn't negate the fact that like I said some horrific ugly horrible things in Mm -hmm. my like angry moments um and so for you I know you talked about this kind of as far as like um motherhood like how have you gone about I guess Um, maybe rebuilding some of that connection. I know that you shared some of the ways that you've like um, cared for yourself in like actually Mm -hmm. impactful ways, but how have you kind of repaired some of that like trust and connection with your kids? And then did this anger affect like your marriage too, or did you feel like it was more Mm. relationship with kids? That's like a million questions I just asked. (laughs) Okay, I'll do the first part first. Yeah. Um, with my kids, I think that able being able to like say like this is a thing that I struggle with, then I was able to like look into resources to like help myself and like when I'm feeling super angry, when something small that like my toddler does makes me really mad, like I need to do some self-examination there. And like being able to like figuring those things out and then being able to teach those things to my kids, like is like that is probably the biggest way because I am not like I'm breaking like this pattern that I have of like being angry and flying off the handle and I'm I don't want to pass that to them and so Mm. I'm trying to teach them the things that I'm learning right now in like little kid form um to 
to help them for their futures and obviously for right now too, but they're probably not going to fully get it until they're, they're older. And yeah. And then I hope they'll look back and be like, wow, like she, she was really angry and then she learned some stuff and then she was really intentional and we got to learn from that too, you know? Um, so that's probably the biggest thing, but like, I think that like getting on their level, which I will be honest is difficult for me. I Mm. don't enjoy like pretend play and stuff like that. So getting on their level and other things that's like, that's enjoyable for us all. Like, um, like you mentioned before, or in the questions you mentioned, um, like margin and how do I do like the hobbies that I, I have with my kids? I, as much as I can, I mean, depending on their age, I try to include them in things, not for knitting because I like to do that by myself, but, (laughs) um, for like gardening stuff or like for baking or like getting dinner ready or whatever. Um, doing laundry. We just had Forrest stay up late last night with us and we watched The Chosen with him for the first time and he helped mm. us sort laundry. Yeah, um, yeah. So like, things like that, like including them and letting them know that like their help in our family is important, but also like teaching them these things. Like they're going to know how to grow a garden. I mean, maybe not a giant garden, but like they're going to have gardening skills. And yeah. I hope that they'll have like sourdough skills one day and like, you know, all these little things that like, they're just little moments, but they do add up for kids and they do fill their cups. Even if it's like, Hey, Finley, I'm getting the plates ready for dinner. Can you come and put these bananas on the plate? Like that's what happened last night. Just like add the food to the plates. And she was just, she's my two-year-old. She was just like beyond happy to help me do that because we were doing it together. And yeah, so just like those small ways of like bringing them in um, and not necessarily mm. doing these extravagant things or like playing pretend for hours on end. Cause that's just, it just doesn't fly for me. I mean, maybe one day it will, but, um, yeah. So finding those ways to bring them in, I found is like good for them and also good for me too. Um, yeah. So yeah. That's so good. I love that. It really can be like as simple as inviting them to help, which I feel like takes a level of like patience and insight and um yeah it's like literally not a big deal if the bananas go on the plate in a way different than like you would put them on or if it takes them like three times as long I don't know why I can get like so in my head about that and so frustrated but it really is such a great way to like build that connection and oh my gosh I love that you said Forrest was watching The Chosen with you and folding laundry because it's just like I don't know I've been thinking about how um, really like relationships and like closeness are built on just like doing hours and hours and hours of like normal life together, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's so beautiful. So I appreciate you sharing yeah. that and kind of a peek into your home. And um, yeah, I'm curious too, do you feel like any of your anger was like kind of expressed in your marriage or was it more like within your relationships with your kids? Um, I would say it most manifested itself with my kids. And that was for some, for whatever reason, like that is like my difficult, like trigger or whatever you want to call it. Um, and maybe it's because like I am with them the most, you know, like I'm sure if I, like if Zach was working for, from home, I'm sure it might be different, but mm-hmm. it did like, it did drive a wedge between us and not my anger wasn't necessarily directed at him, but like it did drive a wedge between us because it was like, I was so distant because it was like the guilt and the shame and, um, like 
all those feelings I was like almost hiding, even though I was like right there. Yeah. Um, and just like very distanced emotionally. Um, so that, that was difficult. And it was just like a long time of just feeling like really far apart with like, I don't know how to fix this. Yeah. Um, but we started doing these questions, which again, it was his idea. <laughs> Um, like I said, most good things in my life were his idea first. Um, so we do them every night. Well, we try to, some nights we forget, but, um, basically four questions. We do them like right before we go to bed. So we're like about to turn off the light and go to sleep. And the questions are, um, what's something you're thankful for today? What went well today? What could have gone better? And what will you do differently tomorrow? Mm. And in like, in that, which I don't think any of us, like either of us really like for, foresaw, foresaw, for, foresaw it, foreseen? For, foresaw. I think foresaw. that's it. Yep. <laughs> foresee it. Um, like being like a time of like confession by any means. But I think that that was kind of what it turned into, at least for me, like being with the kids all day and having this, like when the question came, like what could have gone better, which in itself is a very gentle question. It's unassuming yeah. and not like, what did you do wrong today? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it gave me that space to be like, I had a really hard time with the kids and I got super angry with X, Y, and Z for X, Y, and Z. And I feel so much shame about it. And just like being able to that, like, confess that sin to him, which again, we didn't go into it saying like, we're going to confess our sins and this is going to be a time of, you know, holiness. That's not, it was just like to yeah. have connection and it ended up being that for me, or at least being a safe space for when I needed to, because it wasn't like I needed to do that every day, but it, if I wanted to, or if I needed to, then I could. And it just created that safe space for that. I think there's so much power in that. And I, I have gone pretty much my entire life without ever like having a regular practice of confessing sin. You know, like I think that that is a major part of, um, you know, like the Catholic religion and stuff, but not so much just Christianity. And I was like, honestly baffled by like the power of that, just like naming that out loud and saying like, I like acknowledging that like I am sinful and I need Jesus and here is exactly why. <laughs> um, just for today, you know, yeah. just like having that safe space to, to share that was just really huge for us. So, um, so yeah, that's so good. And what I'm also hearing you say is like having the safe space and also just having an opportunity when your spouse is like able to listen to you reflect. Yeah. And maybe ask like follow up questions or like kind of keep you on track. Like I feel like I lose my train of thought. Oh my gosh, eighty times a day. And like to finish a full thought, even as this conversation with you is like such a privilege to be like you know talking in full sentences yeah. and listening and um, feels like such a rare treat. But yeah, to be able to take that time to reflect on what went well and what could have gone better, I think that's such a great question. And yeah. I love that. I feel like John and I have been kind of in the last like few months on this like theme or um, train of thought, like say it out loud. Mm -hmm. There's so much power in just, yeah, saying it out loud yeah. and confession in a way that's like, yeah, not formal necessarily, um, but it's like bringing light to the dark parts of us. And it feels really scary, but it feels really good. And it yeah. almost like makes it more real. And I think gives the enemy less power because 
I can convince myself that something isn't a big deal or that something is someone else's fault. And sometimes I find myself like not thinking I'm going to confess or like not actually thinking I'm like not in the wrong. But as I like process something, I'm like, oh, like the Lord almost like uses that as an opportunity to like reveal things to me, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So those are such great questions. You said that Zach gives you a lot of your like really good ideas. So I want to hear about the dumb phone situation. So Zach was the first one to do the dumb phone. So we actually just turn our iPhones (laughs) into what we would call dumb phones. I know that you have the light phone and I know a lot of people love that. And I actually do have a dream of getting one one day. But when we when we first did this, we were not we just needed to like do something and we're not in a place to to buy one of those yet. So we basically just did it on our iPhones. And so what Zach did was he turned everything black and white, um, which apparently there's like something with the brain that like makes you not want to use your phone as much when it's black and white. Um, So he did that and he took off pretty much every app, like all social media. Um, I think he even got email off of there somehow, like Safari, like anything that was like time sucking. Oh my gosh. He took off. So he did that. And I was like, that's ridiculous. I work for my phone. I need my phone and I need it in all of its capacity. And like always, it took me a while to like catch up with him. But then I think it was in October. I was like really feeling like the burnout from like working my MLM job and like everything that I was trying to do on social media. And I realized like I really need boundaries and I I can just try the dumb phone for like two weeks and see how it is. I can always go back like at any time. And so I tried it for two weeks. I took everything off my phone except like podcasts and music and obviously messaging and phone and like maps and camera. Um, And it was so nice. So like I had to have these strict boundaries for work stuff because I had to do things on my iPad or my computer. Mm -hmm. And it just like it just it made such a big difference. So I've gone back and forth since then because sometimes I've needed things on my phone and whatever. But like Overall, I feel like I'm in such a healthier place when I do have my phone in like dumb phone mode. Um, And I know that Zach would say the same. It's just like such clear boundaries, which I'm sure that you have also felt like having the light phone now. Oh my gosh. Yes. It has been the hardest and best thing. I was just telling you before we started recording that like I was honestly terrible at responding to text messages before and like now it's so bad and I like go back and forth like I feel really bad because honestly I've been there where like some of my good friends don't text me back for like over a week Uh and sometimes I can be like really hurt by that because like I'm really looking forward to connecting with them but also I totally get it especially since having kids just constantly feeling torn kind of like between inside and outside of my home like wow I have these friends I value and like I want them to feel valued and I want to like minister to people and God's given me this platform on Instagram, which is, you know, its own thing and feeling like almost like a noble obligation to like respond. And then also being like, whoa, but if I'm like giving all this time and energy attention to people outside of my home, but my family is going neglected, like that is not honoring to the Lord. Like that, my most important ministry is like my family and my home. And so, yeah, I think basically at this point in time, like I would love to respond to my texts and that's definitely something I can grow in. (laughs) I don't know if you can hear Juliet right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But like at this point in time, my time is just limited and like I just have to choose what makes the most sense. And like 
remind my friends when I do get to talk to them that I love them. And mm-hmm. you know, it's funny because most of the time they don't care. Like they don't, yeah. they're like, oh yeah, I know you're busy. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's been really challenging because sometimes I feel overwhelmed when I do get on Wi-Fi or I feel totally distracted. Like it's actually been hardest when I go to my parents' house because I want to like hang out with my mom and catch Mm -hmm. up. But I also feel the pull of like, oh my gosh, I'm on Wi-Fi and I'm only here for four hours and like I have all these things I need to do. So definitely I like keep a list or I try to when I'm organized of like, okay, when I'm on Wi-Fi, I need to, you know, upload this podcast and respond to this email and pay this bill. And then from there, if there's time, it's like doing other things. Yeah. But I think like the biggest difference, because John and I got them at the same time and he was definitely like spearheading this. For us, we just realized like, especially during COVID, we developed like really poor habits. Yeah. And with our babies, we're like, oh my gosh, we are like missing out. Like we are holding them just hoping that they'll like distract, you know, it's like so ugly to say, but like we're holding them, hoping that they would like entertain themselves or like just kind of, uh, yeah, not be really needy so we can like be on our phones. Like that's a really ugly thing to like think. Uh Or like I hope they just go to bed so like I can be on my phone. And that was even like distancing within marriage, you know, because then it became about like entertainment and um, I don't know, just like looking to things outside of our home and outside of our family. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think I noticed a huge difference like in our marriage and, and how we spent our evenings. Mm. We don't have a couch, which is really sad because our living room, the way it's like set up, it's kind of funny. Um, we're used to it, but there's basically just not room for a couch. But and so we'll literally like be in bed whenever, just like sitting in bed. And <laughs> instead of being on our phones, we're like talking or like reading books or something like that. Yeah. Um, so that's been really just so amazing. And I love it. And it's hard, but like so worth it. I recommend yeah. it to anyone who's like remotely intrigued, you know? Yeah. I think for so long we like, especially during COVID, people were looking to like different social media things to like bring that fulfillment in like the way of community. And I, I think a lot of people still look at as Instagram. I'll just talk about Instagram because that's what it was for me. Look at that as like, that is a form of community. And I think it is to an extent, but like you can't, like you were saying, like if you're giving your energy and your time to this like community in the clouds, which you can only have so much connection with them, you know, even if it's like in DMs, you only have so much connection with this Instagram community. And yeah. then what's left over for like your family. And and that was something that really hit me too. It was like, I can't just like give them my scraps. Like this is my, this is my life is being home with them. And I can't just wow. give them my scraps for like a community in the clouds, you know? Um, yeah. But I think that it's very like, I feel like it was very natural for people to like, to turn to that for the community during that time because we couldn't do anything for so long. And, and then I think it kind of took the place of real community. And I mentioned earlier about like oversharing and stuff like that. And I think that I definitely dipped into that on Instagram. I I think only good things have come of it, but when like what you're sharing to social media is taking away from whatever in-person community you have, like that is a red flag that I didn't notice for a while. Um, and it can be so easy to think that like, it's just 
a, a, a small number of people that are, are following you. But even if you have like a thousand followers, like that's a lot of people. And that's not like an intimate situation. Like that's not something where you should be sharing all of your details of your life and whatever and your deepest struggles. Um, so I, I understand like that feeling of needing to turn to that or feeling like you need to turn to that. But it's also like such a good shift when you can recognize that that's not going to bring that fulfillment of community that you that you desire, you know, that we all desire. Everybody desires it. And it's a hard shift to make, but like life changing. <laughs> totally. Totally. I'm going to preface because I don't know how this audio will come out. Julia is playing with a little plastic thing, but it's keeping her happy right now. So sorry if the audio quality is sucky for the next little bit. But yeah, I just relate so much to what you were saying. Like, I know for me becoming a mom at the start of COVID in California, when things were so shut down, I definitely saw Instagram as like my community and would refer to friends as like my my friends, not like my Instagram friends, but like my friends and really saw it as that. And I think so grateful for the platform for like people like you and me getting to connect and like the yeah. podcast audience. But I think John really challenged me too in like, I don't know, seeing it as like a form of community, but definitely not the primary. And also yeah. like it should not be like interfering or hindering how yeah. I can like love and serve my family kind of talking about like marriage a little bit too. This is the last, I guess, kind of main question before we wrap up. You know, you said you're almost 32. You've been married for almost nine years. Yeah. You said. Yep. So I feel like quite a few of our listeners are maybe, you know, like mid twenties, been married for like a year, two years. Maybe they like have their first baby. Mm-hmm. And marriage is still like fresh along with parenthood, you know, yeah. I just love to hear kind of like how marriage has changed for you and maybe some of the key like lessons, encouragement. I know that could be its own episode, but give us kind of like the spark notes of ways the Lord has like used marriage to transform you and how that's changed. I think the biggest thing that's changed over the years is I mean, obviously, like our closeness, I think, has only gotten deeper. But um, I think that's because, like, I I think in the beginning, I was pretty afraid of conflict. And something that Zach always says, he's an eight on the Enneagram, if anyone cares. Um, Conflict is the price we pay for a deeper sense of intimacy. (laughs) And he's always said that. And I just would rather not. (laughs) Um, I... I don't like conflict and I don't do well in conflict. I, well, I used to be very bad at it. I would just like resort to tears because I didn't know what else to do. Um, so I think that that has changed a lot and, um, just getting very honest with communication because like if you're thinking something and you wish that your husband would, would know what you're thinking, like, I wish he could just know that I want this or that I need this or that I don't like when he does this. Like if you're wishing that he could just know that like he's never going to read your mind ever. He will never be able to. Um, so to like voice those things, even if they're hard and even like this, this last year, like since my whole like journey that I've been on this last year, I've gotten a lot better at it. But like the first seven and a half years, I guess, were not, I was not good at voicing what I needed or what I expected or what I wanted, um, from him and with him. And that I feel was to my own detriment and for our marriage too. So I think that that 
I will say that like that piece of advice, like being um, not aggressive, but like being assertive, which is taking me back to like third grade <laughs> with like the little A and the big A, but not being aggressive in like what you need and voicing your expectations or whatever, but just being assertive and saying like, I really don't like when you do this, or I really need more of this. It That alone can be so powerful because you're being vulnerable by doing that. And, and that speaks volumes to your spouse and saying like, okay, this is someone who does not voice what they need a ton. And they're, they're being so honest and vulnerable and like, I am paying attention, you know? Um, so that's what I would say. I literally had a conversation a couple weeks ago. We had like gotten in bed and we we're both like reading and I said, all right, hon, I have two things I would love to talk to you about. And I was like, a year ago, me would like not even recognize me right now. Cause it was just like two things that like had wow. hurt my feelings or like could go smoother or whatever. It wasn't big deals, but it was like, I was just being very honest with it. And, and he like really respected and appreciated that, even though it's not always easy to hear, but, <laughs> um, it does, it gives you that deeper sense of intimacy because you are being vulnerable and you're letting them into that like your desires and your struggles and all of that. So hmm, I love that. And you said it was conflict is conflict is the price we pay for a deeper sense of intimacy. That's so good. Oh my yeah. gosh. I'm so glad that you shared that. Yeah. And I think that's going to be so encouraging, especially to the person. Like I never would have said I was a girl who like expected my husband to read my mind. But like I can definitely reflect on some situations where yeah. I wouldn't say I was like playing games, but I genuinely yeah. was like not wanting to come across as like commanding, but instead I was making it like way complicated yeah. because I wasn't just like, I don't know, especially in motherhood. I actually think of that example all the time where John will be like, hey, do you need a break? Like, mm -hmm. can I watch the girls? And I'll be like, no, it's fine. But like. Yeah. I really want that, but I'm yeah. like trying to be like a quote unquote, like good wife and like yeah. push myself past my capacity, which will probably only result in me being like resentful and frustrated yeah. later, you know, instead of just being like, yeah, that'd be great. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to choose to trust you and like yeah. go with this. So man, I think that's a word and I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. I can't believe we've been talking for like an hour. This is so good. So many things I would love to keep chatting about, but I want to be respectful of your time. And as you can hear, Juliet's just a little <laughs> monkey up way past her bedtime right now. So I would love to hear what are three things that you have been loving? Okay. I will share this podcast that I've been listening to, like just like devouring. It's called The Place We Find Ourselves. Um, and it is by a guy who is a Christian therapist, licensed marriage and family therapist, and he has a master's in divinity. So he does a really good job of meshing the two worlds of like mental health and like quote unquote self-care and like the gospel and like how God designed our brains and all that. Um, and I like it because he, he does talk a lot about the science behind like what happens when we're in fight or flight or whatever, like literally the science of our brains and how they work. Um, so it's not like these just like abstract ideas, which I feel like those are what, are, what the Christian community is often at odds with, you know, within like the mental health stuff. Um, so it's literally like how our brains work and what happens when this and all that. And it is so, it is just like so enlightening and so like, 
Like I feel like a weight is lifted off my shoulders just listening to these. Um, he's got mm. a ton of episodes. Um, I recommend starting at the beginning. Um, and just know that it's like you're going to be like processing like your story. Um, and he really emphasizes uh the importance of your story and how like your family origin, family of origin has affected you and um like attachment styles and you know, all this stuff that I really have never learned about. Like yeah. ever. Um, yeah. but it's so he just does such a good job of always reflecting like God as the creator of like our feelings and our brains and and how like when we dive into like the science of that, like it will always reflect him. Um That's so, so good. What's I the host's that. name? Um oh I'm not I can't remember. I'm so sorry. I follow him on Instagram, but he's Oh, no, I can't remember. I feel um, like I have a feeling of who this guy is. Does he do like good little like reels all the time? No. I, I don't know his name either. Oh, he might. <laughs> he terrible description. Might. I feel like everyone. <laughs> does he do reels? <laughs> everyone and their mom does reels. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see if it's the same guy. That's so funny. Um, okay, so that one for sure. The Place We Find Ourselves podcast. Um, and then the book Atomic Habits, which I feel is a very practical book for like doing what I was talking about, like with mornings and like, um, he kind of talks about like the science of our, how our brain works when we like establish habits and stuff and how like habits can be very powerful. Um, so that book for sure. And then, oh man, I had another one all planned out, but I guess I will just say I've been a fan of adding an egg yolk to my coffee in the morning. I am one of those. It's so, so creamy good. and like so good. People are always like, "Do you just like drink scrambled eggs in your in your coffee?" I'm like, "Why would I drink scrambled eggs in my coffee?" <laughs> that sounds terrible, but I know. I don't think I've exposed my husband on here, but I'm about to do it. He has gotten into this pro metabolic sphere way before really? I did. Way oh before I did. I thought he was crazy. He was like, you know, going off about like progesterone and like carrots. <laughs> and um raw eggs and oh he God. makes what he calls a slonker he oh. made this up himself uh based on like a lot of the you know nutritionists i mean he's an enneagram four wing five like devours information <laughs> loves like learning and so he literally blends like six raw eggs every day in his blender oh <laughs> yeah Six. <laughs> um, the most he's ever done is ten at one time. Oh my gosh! And he just but it's, it's usually six, and then he'll do um raw milk and tons of maple syrup and coffee, and he just sips on it oh like all morning long, and he <laughs> loves it. I think he puts some like supplement hormones in there too. Oh my gosh! Good for him. Yeah, I'm really proud. He's like loves it and he like yeah doesn't choke it down and he feels all sorts of healthy so yeah <laughs> that's like go. an extreme it's yeah. a bit different than like the vanilla cloud yeah one egg yolk drink. <laughs> that's so much more tame <laughs> yeah I love it Hannah how can we as a community be praying for you I would say just specifically for like parenting, there's like some tricky parenting stuff that we're navigating with, well, a couple of our kids, but one in specific. And it, there's just like, I mean, there are a ton of books on parenting, but it's like, there's not really a roadmap to like your specific child. And yeah, so yeah. I guess I would love prayer with that for that. And 
for that child. Um, and I mean, I guess continuing on with like my journey with like anger and like figuring out my depression and all of that, I would love prayer for that. So thank you. Yeah, totally. We'd love to partner with you in that. And, um, yeah, in your parenting journey and just kind of what the Lord wants to continue doing in your heart. And I just want to say, I think it's so amazing that you are willing to do all of this work. And like, I think the hardest work is like humbling yourself before the Lord and like asking for help, you know? So thank you for inspiring us and sharing so much of your journey. Yeah. And where can people find you and connect? Um, well, on Instagram, my name is Hannah Olivia White. There's no H at the end of Hannah, which I know is disappointing because it's not a palindrome. <laughs> um, and it pretty soon I'll have my website up, but it's not up yet, but it will be HannahOliviaWay.com. Um, those are the main two ways. <laughs> Amazing. Yay. Well, I can't wait to see your website. I'm like, I think pretty websites are so fun. I know yours will be gorgeous. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for chatting with us, Hannah. It's been such a joy. Of course. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Love in a Cottage. I'm so grateful you decided to join us today, and I hope you're going forward in your day feeling encouraged, understood, and inspired. Here are a few ways you can connect with our community and support the show. So the first way is to share the show with a friend. This is actually how most people find our show, and I am so thankful every time you do this. You can text them a link, or you can also share the show on your social media. This ultimately helps the algorithm get our show to more like-minded women who can find our community. And I also just love reading through your comments. They mean so much to me and are so encouraging. And finally, you can actually donate to the show by Venmoing Paige Geidel or sending via PayPal to hello at pagegeidel.com. I'm currently working on getting a website up and running, so this is more official, but it does cost time and resources and energy to create the show. And even just $5 helps so much with all of the monthly fees and time. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm so thankful for you and we will see you next week for another episode. Bye.